Welcome to Ebenezer Baptist Church, 3rd Sunday of Advent, December 16th, 2012. Today's message is Singing with Zechariah by Pastor Ryan Cochran, based on Luke chapter 1, verses 67 through 80. Today, the children's presentation of the Christmas hope. Test, test, sorry. May the Lord be with you. Amen. Do you remember Zachariah's story? Chris told us a little bit about it, but I want to share a bit more of this story with you. At the time when Herod was the king of Judea, uh, there was a man who was a priest, and his name was Zechariah. Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth were godly people. Uh, they were people who followed the law of God, uh, people who hoped for the coming of Israel's Messiah. They were people who sang Isaiah's song. We heard about Isaiah's song from Isaiah chapter 11 a couple weeks ago. These were people who longed for the time when the Messiah would come and bring peace. Zechariah and Elizabeth had no children. Elizabeth was barren and she was becoming quite old. So there was really no reason to believe that Zechariah and Elizabeth would ever have a child. It would be a miracle if they did. But Zechariah and Elizabeth prayed that God would give them a child. Zechariah was a priest in Israel, and at one point, Zechariah was chosen by Lot to oversee the burning of incense in the temple. And when Zechariah was standing before the altar of God, an angel appeared to him and told him that his prayers were going to be answered. The prayers for a child that he and Elizabeth had prayed for were going to be answered. He and his wife would have a son, and they were to give him the name John. The angel told Zechariah that the birth of his son would be a great joy to them and that their son would have a unique calling in the world. Their son would be a prophet in Israel. Zechariah, I think like many of us, had we been there in that moment in his situation, found that hard to believe. Zechariah was at that moment experiencing God's presence in a very real way but in a way that he did not expect. In his life, Zechariah probably frequently understood and, and experienced God's presence in his work as a priest, through his work in the temple, through his moments where he was called to instruct the people of God in the ways of the Lord and called to bless them through his work as a priest. But when this angel appears to him and says to him that God is going to do a work in their life in this way, this experience of God's presence was outside of Zechariah's understanding. This was not the way that Zechariah understood that God could or would work in his life. And so Zechariah asked for proof. He demanded a sign that God would show him that these things would be true. And because of his unbelief, he was struck dumb. He was not able to speak for nine months. That day... Zechariah entered the temple preparing to serve God. He was a faithful Israelite, a man of prayer. And I suspect that Zechariah prayed and, and fasted in preparation for doing his duty in the temple that day. 
He expected to enter into the temple and fulfill his role as a priest. But in this story, God showed up in a way that Zechariah did not expect. Zechariah expected to go to the temple, to be obedient, to do the things that he was supposed to do as a priest, to come to the temple and worship God like he possibly did many times before. But when God showed up in his life that day in a way that he wasn't expecting, and Zechariah was not prepared to believe that God could or would act in that way. In spite of Zechariah's unbelief, God in his mercy showed Zechariah a new way. The elderly priest remained alone and in silent for the next nine months, and during that time, God did a work on Zechariah's heart. Zechariah lost his voice. He was unable to speak. He was not able to do his job to carry out his role as a priest because he was silent. Priests were meant to speak, to bless, and to teach. But during that time of silence, God did a work on Zechariah's heart. After nine months, Elizabeth did give birth to a son. She insisted on naming him John, even though there was no one in their family uh, who was known by that name. And so they went to Zechariah and asked him, what do you want your son's name to be? And for the first time in nine months, Zechariah spoke. The boy's name is John. These words reflected his obedience and now his belief in God's word to him and his realization that God was now at work in his life, in his family's life, in the life of, the people, of his people Israel in a way that he did not expect, in a way that he really could not imagine. When I've read this story, I've often wondered what Zechariah did for those nine months. Of course we don't know. don't know if he stayed in his own house for that entire time or if he went out into the wilderness. We do not know what he did. But we know what God did in his heart. God made him a man who previously did not believe. And through those nine months of silence, turned him into a man of faith. A man who would be filled with the Holy Spirit and who would speak prophetic words. A man who would sing a song about the coming of the Messiah and about the role that his son John would play in that coming. In nine months of silence, God transformed a man of doubt and made him a prophet. And it all started because God showed up in a way that Zechariah did not expect. Zechariah was fulfilling his ordinary and routine role of the priest in the temple, and in that moment, God moved Zechariah into a deeper understanding of how God is working in the world. Yes, of course, God is working through the role of the priests in Israel in the temple. But now, God is about to come into the world to redeem it and to save it in a way that Zechariah could not have imagined. And this morning, we're going to look at Zechariah's song. What does this song say about what God is doing in the world and how we should respond? What does Zechariah's song tell us about what God is doing? Turn to Luke chapter two, uh, Luke chapter one, if you have closed your Bible since our reading earlier. Luke chapter one. Verse 
Zechariah begins his song by saying, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come and has redeemed his people. God in Zechariah's song is acting as a redeemer. God has come to redeem his people. Zechariah, as he speaks to the people of Israel in this song, uh, they're going through a time of crisis. They're waiting for the Messiah to come. And Zechariah tells them that he is coming. God is beginning a new work in the world. You may not be able to see it now, but God is moving. God's people are being oppressed. They're not, in, they're not slaves in the same way that they were in Egypt some thousand years before, but they're also not fully free. They are living in the promised land, but the promised land does not belong to them. They've come under foreign rulers, and so they're waiting to be set free. They're waiting for a redeemer to come. And Zechariah says that God is coming to redeem his people. Zechariah also says that a Savior is coming. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he said through his holy prophets of long ago, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. Zechariah tells them that God is sending a Savior to them, and that when he does, God will free them from their enemies. Twice, Zechariah promises that they will have salvation from their enemies. Zechariah tells us that God is acting out of his mercy. Zechariah says that God is working right now in order to show his mercy, to show mercy to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. Verse 72. We talked about this characteristic of God last week, this mercy, as we looked at the Song of Mary. God is acting out of his mercy to come and redeem and save his people. After my sermon last week, I had someone come up to me and give a good definition of mercy as it is distinguished from grace. God's grace is when God gives us something that we do not deserve. God gives us salvation. God gives us his love. God's mercy is expressed when he holds back something that we deserve. We deserve God's judgment. We deserve God's anger. But in his mercy, he withholds those things from us so that we can be in relationship with him. Zechariah tells us that God is acting out of his mercy. Israel deserved God's judgment and anger because of their sin and because of their unbelief, but in his mercy, he is holding back those things so that they can experience his love. God's mercy is one of the central characteristics of God that Israel celebrated throughout their history. Zechariah is reminding God's people of God's merciful character. Zechariah also tells us that God is a rememberer. He's a rememberer. God has remembered the covenant that he made with Abraham. Zechariah reminds the people that God has made a promise to his people and that he has not forgotten that promise. He has made a promise to make them to, uh, into a great nation and that through their nation uh, that the whole world would be blessed. Prophet Zechariah encourages them with these words, reminding them that God is a rememberer. He keeps his promises. Zechariah the priest, and now Zechariah the singing prophet, sings these words to the God's people and tells them that God is on the move. 
He is acting now as the Redeemer, as the merciful Savior, and as the God who remembers the promises that he made to his people. And I think that Zechariah's life, his, his experience in this moment, his experience in the temple, his experience of nine months in silence, is an illustration of what is going on in the whole nation of Israel at this time. Zechariah the priest was doing his very ordinary task as a priest when God showed up in his life and worked in a way that he did not expect it. And because of his unbelief, he spent nine months unable to speak. God was merciful to him, revealed to him what he was going to do, and changed his heart. And I think that this is a picture of what Israel is going through or is about to go through with the coming of the Messiah. Israel is about to experience the work of God in a way that they did not expect. The Messiah is about to come. He's not going to be the kind of Messiah that they anticipated. And so will they be able to recognize and see God at work in this unexpected way? Or will they, like Zechariah, demand signs? Will they refuse to believe what God is doing? We know as Jesus' story goes on that many people in Israel, especially their leaders, their priests, what we would consider their pastors, they didn't see. They refused to believe what God was doing because God was working outside of the box. He was not working in the way that they understood how God worked in the world, and because of that, they were unable to see and they were unable to believe. Zechariah, though, is a picture of one of Israel's leaders who, after God disciplined him for his unbelief, was then able to see and believe what God was doing. So I want to talk to us today about how we should respond to Zechariah's story and to the song that Zechariah sings. How can we be one who recognizes what God is up to in our lives and in our world? How can we be in tune with the story of Zechariah and the song that he sings? So if we remember, uh, Zechariah was a man of faith. Before encountering this angel uh, in, the, in the temple, he and Elizabeth were faithful Israelites, people who prayed, people who hoped for God to restore his people, people who prayed for themselves, who really had a hope that God would answer their own personal prayers for a child. But when he encountered God in this unexpected way, he had a difficult time recognizing it. He heard the words of the angel and he didn't believe them. Zechariah had a certain understanding of how God worked. Zechariah experienced God in a certain way, and when God acted in a different way, he did not recognize it. Now, I don't know about you, but I identify a lot with Zechariah in my life. I am a man of faith. My life is centered on Christ. I believe in Christ with all my heart. My wife and I are doing all that we can to raise up our children so that they would come to know Christ and center their life on him. We're doing all of the things that we are supposed to do. I know that I experience it, my, uh, God in my life through prayer and through going to church and through doing uh, daily devotionals as I read my Bible. And I know that most of you here are the same. You experience God in these places, and you seek to be faithful in your life as well. But I want to ask us this morning, do we have eyes to see where God is at work in our lives in places where we did not expect him, or when he acts in ways that we do not expect? 
Like Zechariah, we, we recognize God in the places that are familiar. We long to and hope to encounter God in this place as we gather on Sunday mornings. We long to and hope to and do experience God in our daily life as we pray and seek him in his word. But what if God is ready to move in your life in a way that you did not expect, in a way that was out of the ordinary, in a way that was uncomfortable, or in a way that maybe to you simply seems impossible? A few years ago, I had an experience that as I was thinking about it this week was somewhat similar to Zachariah's experience in the temple. I was working here at church on a Saturday, and someone came knocking on the, at the door, and at first I was a bit annoyed. I had work to do after all. I went down to the door and I answered it, and at the door was a man named Tommy. Tommy was probably in his late 60s. Um, he was uh, about my height, but weighed at least 100 pounds more than I did. And he had some physical disability. He, he walked a bit hunched over, and he, he walked with a bit of a limp. And I invited Tommy into my office, and we began to talk. And he told me that he was originally from Texas, but that now he was serving as a missionary in Guatemala, and that he was here in Vancouver for a conference, and he needed a place to stay until Monday. He had a place to stay on Saturday night, but he needed a place to stay until Monday. And so I told him that I would talk with my wife and that he should come to church the next morning and we'll try to arrange a place for him to stay. And so I went home and I talked with Katie about it and we decided, yeah, sure, he can stay with us for the night. So after church, uh, Tommy came over to our house and we began to talk to him. And very quickly we discovered that Tommy was one of the oddest people we had ever met. And what we found out first was that Tommy did need a place to stay until Monday, but it wasn't the next day, it was the next Monday that he still needed a place to stay. Now, I don't have time to tell you all about what we experienced that week. It was one of the oddest, in what Katie, would, Katie and I would say, one of the holiest weeks of our life. Tommy was completely helpless. We showed him around the kitchen so that we thought he would be able to help himself. But I'm not kidding you. Tommy had no idea how to open a can of soup and fix it for himself on the stove. And so throughout the week, Katie prepared breakfast and dinner uh, for Tommy every day. On the first day, I knew that Tommy was supposed to be at his conference at 930 I was walking around the house that morning at about 10 o'clock, and I could hear Tommy snoring down in the basement. <laughs> and so I had to go down and, and wake Tommy up. Tommy, you've got to get to your conference. You were supposed to be there about a half an hour ago. This is all a true story. This actually happened. And we've got more stories about Tommy. But listen to this. Listen to what kind of conference Tommy was invited to attend. Tommy was invited to an oncology conference in downtown Vancouver because in Guatemala, where he was a missionary, Tommy was taking children with cancer and was training them to be clowns who would go and visit other kids with cancer in other hospitals 
and Tommy was having an amazing experience of seeing these kids recover in a higher quality of life than any other place in Guatemala because of the work that he was doing. So he was invited to this conference to come and share his story. I cannot imagine how Tommy was received by the oncologists at this conference. But here he was. So here I was at church, doing the work as a pastor, doing what I thought I was supposed to do, doing my weekly routine, and at the door comes Tommy. It's not what I expected. And just imagine the opportunity I would have missed if I did not open the door. What if I thought, God has this work for me to do right now, I don't have time. He doesn't see me. (laughs) I don't have to answer the door. I wonder how many opportunities in my life I have missed because I haven't opened the door. How do we become a people whose lives are in tune with Zachariah's song? In our lives, we need to be ready to see God in places where we do not expect him and be ready to respond in faith and to believe. Before Zechariah was able to sing this song of faith and prophecy, Zechariah, maybe like you, believed in God, experienced God in certain ways in his life, but when this happened, he wasn't ready for it. We need to recognize in our life that God may be trying to speak to you to work in and through your lives in moments and in places that you do not expect. Of course, of course, God works in our lives when we come here to worship on Sunday mornings, when we sing familiar songs, when we sing familiar hymns, when we pray together, when we hear God's word spoken, when we, in our own lives, pray in our devotional life, when uh, when we read the word, of course we experience God in these moments. These are vital and important times in our life, but are we ready to recognize God in other places as well? Perhaps in an encounter with a stranger that you meet at your local grocery store or in your building. Are you ready to reach out and speak to that neighbor that you do not know and maybe see what God would do in that relationship? If we are going to sing with Zechariah's song, to recognize God's saving work in our life and the work that he wants to do through us, do we need to wait nine months and be in silent, or can we begin to recognize it right now? That God right now wants to show up in your life, maybe in ways that you don't expect, maybe in ways that are unconventional or strange, but he wants to work in your life in strange ways. Jesus was not at all who the people of Israel expected their Messiah to be. Think of the image of the manger scene that is so etched into our imaginations. The image of Mary holding Jesus with Joseph looking on, with lowly shepherds and great foreign kings bowing down to worship him. The King of kings and the Lord of lords, the Son of God, born in a barn. It's not what Israel expected their Messiah to be. 
And that was really just the beginning. As he grew up, he continued to confound expectations of what a Messiah would be. He did nothing that was expected of a Messiah. He did not hold any positions of authority. He did not raise up an army to overthrow the Romans. Jesus did not even have a home. He did not have a place to lay his head. He traveled as an itinerant teacher, and for most of his ministry, had about 12 people who were following him. And then, they were very often really scared to follow him at all. And then, his life ended on a Roman cross. This is not what was expected of Messiah. And so, of course, most people did not recognize or believe him. But for those who have eyes to see, God's strange and unexpected ways of working in the world, they are able to see that the baby born in a barn is a picture of the redeeming God who entered into our world humbly and out of mercy came to save us. For those who have eyes to see God's strange and unexpected ways of working in the world, they will see that the ministry of this traveling teacher named Jesus was the beginning of God's revealing of the kingdom of God as he went and healed the sick and the lame and the blind and invited prostitutes and tax collectors and all kinds of other sinners to come and to eat with him. For those who have eyes to see, God is revealing the kingdom. And for those who have eyes to see, Christ's death on the cross was not the end of his life, but was the way that God remembered his promises to Israel. Jesus' sacrifice on the cross was his victory over death as he bore the penalty of the sins of the whole world and made a way for all of us to have eternal life. Do you see these strange and unexpected ways that God works in the world? Listen to these words from Zechariah's song. He has come to rescue us from the hand of our enemies, to enable us to serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. This is the invitation of Zechariah's song to see God's strange and mysterious work in the world, and to bow down and worship. This is the invitation to all of us. If you are here this morning and have been a Christian for a long time, this is an invitation for you to begin to recognize and see God in new and fresh ways in your life, and not to allow the conventional, the typical, the ordinary ways that you experience God to block you from seeing all of these other ways, but instead to allow those to lead you to seeing God in new ways. To allow his word as you read it in the morning to open your eyes to the way that he would speak to you through that day. Through our time on worship on Sunday morning for that to open our imaginations and our eyes to see how God would lead us into our neighborhood. Don't allow the conventional, the typical ways that you are used to understanding and seeing God keep you. Maybe like Zachariah. (laughs) from seeing that God may want to do something new in your life. If you are here this morning and do not know Jesus, maybe you know the Christmas story as a nice and quaint story that we celebrate in December. Have you considered the claim 
that the Christmas story is the key that unlocks the truth of the mystery and purpose of our whole world. This is the invitation for you to consider this morning. What do you say about the meaning of this story? What is it about this baby that billions and billions of people have seen as the Messiah and the Savior and have chosen to worship him? Is this baby in a barn? Is this God's unexpected and merciful way of saving you and giving you eternal life? I'd like to invite you into a time of quiet silence. As you think about how God may be working in your life today, let's sit before God now in quiet together.